Folks, take it from me, NBA legend Bill Walton. Like all great experiments in American history, the 3 and D Love podcast will revolutionize your life. Welcome to the 3 and D Love NBA podcast. Thanks for joining us, and I'm your host, Michael Eaney. We're joined, as always, by the brother, Ryan Eaney, and, of course, our namesake, the venerable D-Love, Derek Lovegren. Here we go. Welcome back to the podcast. This is now part two of our NBA predictions, Cardi Cup listing. We're now in the Western Conference. If you missed us in part one for the Eastern Conference, go check that out in uh, in the podcast. But we're going to kick off the Western Conference with Ryan. Who do you have as your one seed in the Western Conference? It's a very boring answer. I think the more fun answer would be if the two best players of this team uh, reignited their blood feud and they actually finished outside the play-in. And uh, <laughs> one of the players was sent back to France and was suspended for spreading COVID-3 among his team. Uh, I have the Utah Jazz at number one. I, I think they've proven, the last, especially last year, that they can just kind of rack up the wins the regular season. I think, um, I, I think even the... The way the Clippers beat them, I don't think a lot of teams could do that, especially when they, you know, they they beat them um, at least part of the series with Leonard and George. And so I, I think they can still do it and continue going on. Um, and I think Mitchell continues to, you know, I don't think he really makes another jump necessarily, but I think he continues to be a dominant offensive player. Gobert's dominant defensive player. It worked really well in the uh, regular season. Um, do you love, where do you have the jazz? I have, I have the jazz number two. I did give some thought to putting them at, uh, at number one, but I, I did go number two. Um, I mean, it's the jazz. I think I've heard heard described. They have a playoff problem, but they do not have a, a regular season problem. So gave it a lot of thought. Um, but I think we're going to see something pretty similar to what we saw in the regular season last year. So wouldn't be surprised if they get number one, but uh, going number two, what about you, Michael? I also have the Jazz one. I mean, th- this is, I think, no surprise. They they seem to be, with the depth of that rotation and, and the defensive structure that they have, they're always, I think, going to be a good regular season team. I mean, I just think... You know, much of their playoff woes have probably been misdiagnosed, whether they're foisted on the perimeter defenders or, or more on Gobert. I actually think it's it's a perfect mixture of, of the entire structure. I think, you know, you know, systems theory would suggest that systems are perfectly designed to generate the result that they generate. And I think Wait, what? Sort of that, the, that was amazing. Exactly. That, it's some heady stuff. That was there. amazing. And I think the jazz defensive system is structured that way, right? They've intentionally kind of focused on acquiring offensive oriented perimeter players predicated on the fact that they have Rudy Gobert on the back line. Right. And so when that exposes Rudy Gobert, whose fault is that? Is that Rudy Gobert's limited perimeter capabilities or is that the perimeter defenders fault? You know, really it's, it's, it's the structure that they've sort of doubled down on. I, I choose to believe, I think Gobert's offensive limitations functionally have made the jazz really focus on offensive capabilities you know, on that end of the floor, right? That's their focus as they built their roster. 
And I think that's going to continue to harm them into the playoffs. But again, I mean, I have them in the one seed because of how, you know, they can just show up, roll the ball out. And, you know, they have enough players offensively to score. And then, you know, they're always going to have a top five, top seven defense, no matter what. I think just because Gobert's that type of, you know, drop defender protecting the rim. And that's still going to kind of rule the day kind of going going forward so I, that's where i got the jazz too i'm not i'm not particularly high on them into the uh into the into the playoffs uh, and, and ryan i kind of share your perspective i think watching the jazz retool would actually be really interested interesting i think they're probably of any western team the most likely to panic trade maybe not one of their two big pieces in Mitchell or Gobert, but but the, the the rest of those guys, I mean, they just sent Conley to a new deal, which is probably verges on untradeable, even though I think signing him was the right choice. But I think there's a variety of other guys there that if they get into a pinch, they're going to start looking at how they restructure that roster and create more defensive depth. And and I could see them really going after that and and. and finding themselves more in the middle of the pack in the Western Conference. Yeah, if I'm a Jazz fan, the thing that scares me the most is Dwayne Wade shadow general manager <laughs> because he's now a minority owner in the team. He seems to have the owner's ear. I just that just not that just not bode well in terms of like what they try to do and I think that lends itself to a panic trade. And to your point, I mean Gobert's untradeable. I mean he got he got the max or the super. He, he got a, just a huge extension. Like no one's going to trade for him. I mean, he's he's a, again. They've built their team around him, and so um, like the problem for them is all their guys are like more valuable to them than to other teams, except for maybe Mitchell, um, because of how the lack of um, optionality they have in their team. And, and and again, it's to their credit that they built the team, you know, with the you know draft picks and everything they did. I, I do think their bench is a little weird. Like they, their whole argument last year was they kind of, they had favors to play center and he could kind of just play, they could play a similar way with him. Cause he's a, at least a solid post defender. And now they have Rudy Gay. Um, White side. Yeah. They have, I mean, I just, it's just like a weird bench. They don't really still have any perimeter guys outside of the, the, the main group, which again, there's not a lot of minutes for them. I think they are depending on Conley having a healthier season or at least like, intentionally resting him in ways that allow him to continue to play at a high level. Um, so, I mean, I think this is the least interesting part of the, the West. I think they're going to be in that top group and they just seem to have the, the kind of lowest floor in terms of, you know, how many wins they get. Um, so let's, let's keep it moving. Um, D who do you have, who do you have um, next on your Western conference? predictions list uh the phoenix suns you remember them they won the western conference last year <laughs> Wait, the with phoenix their big suns, four the big yes four? the big four and the key with the big four is that there is room for growth for everyone except chris paul um because we are expecting him to go the opposite direction as when father time catches up but the, whatever the tom brady plan that he's on we hope that can Drink sustain for another year, lots of sleep, uh, once sleep a month have some a green tea, ice cream, but only once a month, and just a, <laughs> it's a cup. Um, so he's got that front wheel working for him. Uh, it's I don't I hope uh, Aiden's going to be okay emotionally uh, with uh, maybe he's going to be more motivated to 
have a better year because of not being able to work out the contract thing. Uh, that's been the latest development. Yeah. It's brutal. I mean, their owner, Sarver, he's always been about a decade behind. Like, he was the last owner who sold, like, a first round. He sold a first round pick, like, a high level. I think it was the Lou Al Dang pick. I think he sold. Like, it was like a, I think it was a lottery pick. It was super high. And he, he was the last person to sell it. And it became, wait, why are we selling draft picks? These are incredibly valuable. <laughs> These are like the most valuable asset you have is your draft, first round draft pick. And, and he's, he's kind of negotiating like it's 2010. He's negotiating like, you know, Kevin Love and, and, and Glenn Taylor and the Timberwolves a decade ago, where you could say to someone like, well, you know, David, Con- I want to save my max salary slot for Ricky Rubio. So I got, I can't give it to you. You're not a max player. You're kind of the next level down and you could push back and forth on that um, and try and get away with it. But it, people saw it doesn't work. Like when the Utah jazz, like didn't just give Gordon Hayward the max and he had to go out and get an offer sheet and they matched it. Like just pause it, pause it. If, if they just given the max without making him go through all those hoops, would he have left to go to Boston? I don't think so. Other than Kyle Korver, is there a better fit for the Utah Jazz than Gordon Hayward? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, he even beat Stockton and Hornacek, okay? He's got the three beautiful little girls. I mean, it's like the perfect story. The Jazz fan, fans love it. You know, he would never have left. Um, teams have learned this. It's like you don't, you don't negotiate on the edge with these guys. Um, if there's someone who's going to get that contract from someone, which Aiton will. He will get an offer sheet if he has to next summer for the max. Like, maybe not the super-duper max, or, but the max someone can give him, they will give him, and then the Suns will match it, and he will be pissed off at them. And, like, when he's up to actually leave, once he's, like, checked in and got his first extension, he will be out of there. It, so it's just, it's fighting the last war, man. We have to, you have to learn. Like, you just, you just give these guys the contract if they're close to it you give them the contract you don't mess around with it you make them feel like a million bucks you know you give them millions and millions of bucks you make them feel special a part of it you keep building on that i get that they have some financial worries you know they have paul's big extension they have booker at the max they just signed bridges for 90 million dollars like it's a lot there but i mean we all agree right aiden's a max player like you don't average 15, 10 and like two blocks and like be one of the few guys in the league who can like guard Jokic one-on-one and actually give him some problems, at least when he has like his B supporting cast around him. Um, like that's just, that is legit in today's game. Well, and, and guard Giannis. And guard Giannis th- at and, least three. Yeah. Three that was games. what <laughs> Woj said. He, he, I mean, it was a pretty amazing stat actually. It kind of goes both ways. It shows how good Aiden is, but also even better how Giannis is. It was like, DeAndre Ayton guarding Giannis in the finals held him to 50% shooting. He shot 70% against every other defender. It's like, wow. wow. It's you keep him at 50% and that's a, that's a victory. So, And there's yeah, some upside too. Like he's yeah, he's still pretty he's not, young. He's there, there can be some some polish in his offensive game, add a couple oh, little yeah. moves. He's their, best chance. he's their best chance to take a step forward yeah. is that, you know, I'm actually less um, – well, I'll just jump in and say I, I actually have them lower um, in part. Like, I totally agree with the, the the three young guys, like 
Booker, Bridges, and Aiden, they have that potential. I just get a little worried how much they depended on Paul, and I just do wonder at some point where he and – I, and I have, you know, at least one of their predictions sort of rides in the same thing. is during the regular season, it will be hard to maintain that, you know, when you rely on such an older player. But the, the one guy I'm a little bit skeptical about is Bridges. Like, I really like him. I think he deserved the four-year 90. I think we talked about off the air, like – could he have even gotten more? Um, and he probably could have, right? If he was like a free agent right now or even a restricted, someone would have probably given a bigger offer than that. But he just didn't really step up in the playoffs in the way that I was hoping. And partly it's like Paul and Booker have the ball in their hands all the time, and then they're trying to get yes. eight involved. But, like, I guess the question is, is as Paul starts to kind of – if he starts to fade into, like, kind of late Stockton where he's starting but playing, like, 25 minutes a night is bridges like getting the rock and doing stuff with it. Cause it really was like the backup point guard. It wasn't, it was pain. It wasn't bridges. And I, and I think that looked really good at first. Like, Oh wow, look at pain, but it actually hurt them. And they really need bridges to be like the third creator um, for them to keep moving forward. And if he can do that and Aiden takes a step, then yeah, I totally agree with the pick. And, may, and I, Booker I have, maybe can, more. Booker can fill in those gaps too. If Paul needs to play, you know, off the ball a little more, let uh, I mean, Booker did average a lot more assists before Paul uh, came. I mean, oh yeah, his, Booker's you know, amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're amazing. I just I'm just talking about against the best teams. Yeah. That's why I dropped them down a little bit, just because I I just think Paul. Again, the odds are Paul, um, like he can't keep doing this, but maybe it's Brady and he can. And if he does, then I think putting them. You know, top two is 100% right. I just was thinking, like, maybe they drop down a little bit. And I think that where they struggled is, like, like they it, it's similar to me to the Celtics, is that they, like, they need to, to play. They need to play with flow and pace. And I think sometimes, you know, Chris Paul dominates the ball, which he should because he's one of the greatest point guards ever. But it, that kind of gets the great defenders and the great – teams like the bucks it really hurt them and i think booker as well like it just became sort of out of my bag and i'm going to do this stuff and it became less flow and i think bridges really needs to be in a flow game where they're sharing and doing it um because like it's 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 like booker and paul are not to that level like a hard end or someone where they can just create everything themselves um but yeah, I mean, again, they have the big four. They have the big three. D-Love, you totally called it. And, you know, if 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 Aiden and Bridges take a step, I mean, the future is bright. And I think I, I, I found myself feeling pretty skeptical about the Suns. And alas, I still put them at the two seed. And I think that's more of a reflection of how gettable – at least in the regular season, the Western Conference is going to be. I mean, I think you have injuries across the board. You have age. You have unrest, right? You have all these different pieces in the sun. <laughs> it sounds like it's like it sounds like it's a country like with a dictator or something. It's like there's going to be unrest. <laughs> That's true. It's the NBA, baby. <laughs> it's the NBA these days, and I and so I I, I found myself without much reason other than kind of if not them then who right i mean that was that that was my conclusion here i'm pretty skeptical that that paul is gonna continue to perform at this level um i just think that what you saw in the playoffs 
at times. Obviously, he had some really high moments. And also then, you know, when he didn't have someone to pick on, that that was obviously then he he was severely limited and so I, i'm concerned to what that looks like in a regular season um especially as he gets more measured um as his age continues you sound like the so. brady critics in 2014 <laughs> well i mean i may be that wrong too i mean they, these guys continue to perform it's kind of amazing well, but you know I, I do think the suns i mean if anything, what we've learned is the Phoenix Suns will figure out a way to screw this up. They, they've just really, you know, it all starts with Sarver. I mean, he's already trying to shortchange Aiton. If that bleeds into the season, that's a disaster, right? I mean, I just... It, Monty will hold it all together. There's literally no free agents. I mean, that's the sort of weird new change in the league in the last, like, 18 months is everybody's basically signing these extensions. And meanwhile, the Suns... I mean, Ryan, you call them, like, old school. I mean, it's so right. I mean... Aiton's going to go get a max deal like at 12.01 or 6.01 or whatever the time is now for free agency. And, you know, he's going to carry that into the future. Maybe that doesn't affect this season as much. We'll see. But um, I, I am I am curious to see, again, how that how that, that team coalesces after a run. Um, I would say the other concern I have is just how much a number of those young guys attested to CP's influence. And, and, I, and I sometimes wonder if, if Chris Paul sometimes can have sort of the barking dog kind of problem, like kind of gets your, your attention at first and then slowly becomes kind of annoying. <laughs> um, not unlike like we were talking about Thibodeau earlier t- also. I, I just, you know, there's all of a sudden Aiton and Bridges and, and Booker look around and go, hey, we were on that finals team too. Like quit, you know, telling us how to live our lives kind of deal. And, and all of a sudden there's not the awe that CP can sort of just run little general around them all. Um, and, and, and that to me again, presents some challenges, but I found myself at a loss for, for who else would be in the two slot, if not the Suns. So that's where they landed. But Ryan, you said you had them lowered. Where did you have them ultimately? Uh, I had them fifth actually. Whoa. Um, oh. Yeah. 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 Um, again, I think more, and you know, there's a little bit of a theme here, uh, when we go through the list, but I think, uh, I just wonder if counting on the guys who are getting up in the years, it's just, again, not that he's going to miss like the whole season, but just that I just think you have to assume there's you have to kind of bake in like, you know, sort of what we saw with LeBron two of the last three years where it's like 20 games, 25 games. Like, I just don't think every year they could play 75, 70 plus, whatever. Um, so that's why I have them there. I, I do think, I mean, two thoughts about Chris Paul. One is um, I doubt he's uh, he's chirping at Crowder very often because I feel like Crowder <laughs> would not take take nicely <laughs> to that. And also Crowder's the guy who could, like, flip it, where if it was, like, Crowder's on Chris Paul's side, then everyone will get in line. And if, if uh, he's, like, the enforcer, but then if, like, he flips with the young guys, then Chris Paul could be in trouble. So I wouldn't mess with Crowder. I also think the better quarterback analogy for Chris Paul right now is Russell Wilson. I think, like, if you allow Chris Paul to do this, is Michael's point he makes, which I agree with, is like, if you let him do what he does best, like, he is the best, like, maybe, the, like, one of the best. About the, like, he's, like, up there in terms of best players like, in the league right now, even though he's in his 30s and kind of beyond his athletic peak it's like russell wilson if he can throw the deep ball and improvise like if you let him do that he's maybe the best quarterback in the league 
But if you make him drop back and just look over the line and try and throw like a, a post or a slant, like, I mean, it's the Super Bowl lost the Patriots all over again, baby. And that's the same thing with CP. It's like run, pick and roll. He will like get the center out and he will make, he'll just, he'll just cook and he will make everyone look good. But if like you can switch the pick and roll and he can't get around the guy switching on him, it's like, you know. You know, Darius Butler cutting in front for the pick after Brandon Browner threw a receiver down to the ground. No one remembers that, but it happened. <laughs> you get <laughs> it's Malcolm Butler too, but no Darius no, Malcolm, no, no, whatever his name is. You guys are underestimating the uh, communication prowess of Monty Williams. Uh, there, there's no unresolved issues on that team. We'll get everybody together in a room. I thought we were saying Monty might get annoyed of CP. No, oh, no, 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 no. It's nothing but love. Monty with, goes, with "Hey, them. Chris, don't you remember I'm the coach around here?" <laughs> no, no, no. They're all uh, very emotionally healthy. They'll, they'll get in a room and hash it out if there's any problems. There's uh, just like in Phoenix, you know. There's, there's not. The, the, the training staff uh, is more advanced. Like, guys don't get hurt toward the end of their careers. So let's not underestimate That's true. The that. Grant Hill. You're right. right. The Grant Hill. It's, I right. mean, one factor is the sun. You know, the it's good for the body. It's also good for the psyche. So the soul, uh, yeah. the, the, the bruised I mean, egos. Was and all, was all NBA third team when he, in 2010, I think, is like last like mediocre season. Yeah. So, yeah right. Like two years, two years later, he was out of the league. I mean, that was crazy. He went like Cavs Celtics. Yeah, Cavs, yeah. That was crazy. That's a good point. Um, okay. Uh, I have the three seed next, and I have the Denver Nuggets as my three seed. Uh, and, and honestly, again, I, I found myself challenged, even though Murray is going to be hurt, just this is sort of in Jokic I trust. I mean, I just think the guy is going to play – 82 games. He's going to plot along every night. He's going to throw awesome passes. He's going to get sort of annoyed looks at his own teammates and at the team he's playing. He's going to shoot a bunch of threes that seemingly they all go in, even though he only shoots like 35%. He shoots uh, like the no-look threes. I love his threes because he's like kind of like he's a triple threat. And then he's just like, doesn't he look like he's looking at the rim? And he just like puts it up. <laughs> and you're just like, exactly. and it just I mean, like hits the rafters. A- and it just swishes. He has the best swishes of almost anybody outside of Steph. It's the best. So, and I think Porter, you know, uh, assuming his health holds on, which is, I think always, I mean, I think he's now classified in the Embiid group of, you know, asterisk is if healthy. But if MPJ could stay healthy, uh, that team to me has enough talent to be in this mix. Um, again, I'm probably lower on their playoff prowess simply because of, yep. of Jokic's limitations defensively. But I, I get excited about them as a regular season team, and I think they can kind of just rip off Ws uh, over the course of the year, be pretty consistent. Um, Where do you guys have the Nuggets? I have Denver at number four. Um. I had the number one pick in fantasy this year, and I don't think I remember a year where there was such a clear number one consensus for the Joker. So there was no extra thought that had to go into it. Uh, his He's so versatile uh, and, and still room. I mean, I haven't told totally, him. It was hard to not rule him out as even a potential uh, back-to-back MVP. I, I don't think they'll give it to him because of, uh, well, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. But... Uh, <laughs> 
And I think next pod, D. Next yeah, pod. Yeah, sorry. So, but uh, Porter Jr. I mean, he his health was pretty good last year. Like I feel like maybe he um, got over a hurdle there with, unless I'm misremembering how many games he played last year. But I feel like he whatever the back issues were, the he turned a corner. So uh, I like him as a as a number two guy. And yeah, there. Other than that, I mean, Gordon's going to give you something. Yeah, those guards are uh, much left to be wanted there. Barton's healthy. That's something. Um, but uh, but good enough to be number four. Yeah, I had them at two, uh, so a little higher than both of you. I think just for the reasons you guys laid out, Jokic is dominant. He could even get better uh, if that's possible. Um, so I, I picked them two, even though I definitely have questions about them. I, I don't have questions – like Murray's injury doesn't bother me that much. Um, we've talked about it. I don't think we're as high at Murray as most people are. Uh, obviously, better to have him because you know he's taking a lot of salary that could be used on other players. Um, I, I I just I do wonder. So I'm going to pick the number two, but also have a lot of questions about their supporting cast. Is it's weird to me that Aaron Gordon, like he was he it's that that team was incredible when they still had Murray. And then Murray got hurt. And Gordon didn't really do that much. I mean, he played well a little bit on Lillard in the playoffs. He did some stuff, but he sort of seemed lost. Um, and I was, again, listening. Um, I think it's like was it David Locklock from Locked On Podcast was pointing out some stats about Gordon. And it's just he's he's just sort of like an empty calories player. Um you know, very athletic, can obviously, like, help out in some different ways. But I, I think I'm a little worried about him. I'm also a little worried about Will Barton just because it sort of feels like Tim Connolly's getting high on his own supply where he's, like, that's <laughs> that's my guy. I stole him from the Blazers, you know, five years ago. So I'm going to give him – Pick to play. Like, Bill Barton opts out, and he gets, like, the same pretty similar money for multiple years. I don't know. He gets hurt a lot. I mean, if he can be healthy, I think, like – him and Morris, like they're enough at, at the backcourt to play, you know, with Jokic and with Porter. I really like the Jeff Green move. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, like if they play a smaller lineup, I wouldn't be surprised if Green's playing over Gordon sometimes. Um, if he can maintain his shooting that he sh- he's shown of late. Because, um, again, they, they, they don't have like the best sh- – I mean, it's, they have Porter who's amazing. They have Jokic who's amazing. But – Without Murray, their shooting isn't like off the charts. So, um, but Jokic makes everyone, you know, um, makes everyone better. So I think um, that's why I have number two. And my number three is very similar. It's the Dallas Mavericks, kind of for all the reasons I'm talking about with Jokic. Doncic is the other guy like that who can um, just make, uh, you know, a team offensively just be a 50 win type team. And so I think they can be even a little better than that. I don't, again, I don't love their supporting cast. Some people are saying, Oh, it's a better cast. And you know, they've, you know, they got, um, they've added some different guys and they have a different mix and you know, that's going to make a big difference. I, I just think, you know, I mean, how dominant Doncic was in the Olympics. Like I think he can keep, uh, you know, getting better and better and, um, just continue to make them a better team. And so, yeah, they have guys like Reggie Bullock now, they have Sterling Brown, they're back hard away. Um, but it, you know, 
Doncic is the straw that stirs the drink. So I'm I'm sort of betting for number two, number three. I'm just like if you play them in the regular season, both of those guys are going to win a lot of games against a lot of teams. Um, so that's why I have them number three slot. Where do you guys have the map? I think Doncic is not just the straw. He is the glass. He's whatever is inside <laughs> the drink. He's all all of the above. I think this uh, supporting cast is like. Um, a little bit like Jordan before really Pippen came in and became a force when it was <laughs> Stacy King and Cliff Levingston, I think. Uh, I'm yeah, sure there's a couple yeah. guys I'm missing in there. Yeah, uh, Purdue came in a little league. later. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, this is quite uh, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Lowe even thinks that the Mavericks have an outside shot of getting to the championship and whoa, uh, winning whoa. the West, and I, I think that's ridiculous. I think it's uh, – it's a one-man wrecking crew, but good enough. He is good enough to make them the number five seed in my prediction. Yep. So what about you, Michael? The one thing I can add to this discussion is a, a man who's flamed out in two coaching stops so far, a well-regarded Ooh. historic player, Ooh. but a infamous and, and, and putrid coach. Jason <laughs> Kidd has somehow has a third job in the NBA. <laughs> It, it, it pays to have been an all-time great player. Apparently, you get three shots at the apple with, uh, with, with on the coaching carousel. And that, to me, is the biggest concern I have, honestly. I mean, I think their <laughs> roster I have serious <laughs> concerns about. I, I tend to share Derek's skepticism. I honestly think what they did in the playoffs was, was incredible. I think what Doncic did there, what he did in the Olympics was amazing. I just I have I, I I'm really bullish on them in the playoffs to be honest I think they have assuming the the Jason Kidd stuff doesn't totally backfire I think their playoff potential is very high just because of the type of of dynamic offensive player that Doncic is but again to me it's a little bit like the Heat um, and similarly to the Heat I have the Mavs in the sixth seed I I don't think Doncic is going to be carry the load offensively the way he would if it was a playoff series. For the entirety of the regular season, I, I think he's going to be awesome. I think he's probably going to, you know, average like twenty nine nine and nine, and potentially win the MVP. But you know, it's not, you know, it, to me, it's not the type of activity that's going to translate consistently to the to to be a fifty eight sixty win team type of situation where you're in the top top tier in the Western Conference. I just don't think they have enough depth. I I think there's they're kind of bit players around them when you're when you're remarkable signing is Reggie Bullock in a t- in addition to re-signing Hardaway Jr. It, it doesn't really get me warm and fuzzy. I mean, to me, the Mavs to be a, a title contender, you know, like Zach Lowe is sort of surmising, you know, Porzingis has to turn the corner. I mean, that's, that's the, he has to come back to, you know, some, some semblance of, of who he was before the leg injury. And, you know, he, he really hasn't ever returned to that. And if he can, then obviously they're really interesting. And if he can't, then they just signed an absolute albatross of a contract, you know, 18, 12, 18 months ago, whatever it was, that's just going to be a disaster for much of, you know, Doncic's early prime. So I'm, I'm curious to see how this plays out. I am skeptical. I have him in the sixth seed. Again, Jason Kidd just totally freaks me out. I have no idea why the franchise would actually hire Jason <laughs> Kidd, given I, – I, I just – like that was the that was sure. the last straw for Give, Bob Volgaris. He's like, yeah. Well, I just I'm I don't understand. You know, you have so much writing on that hire. 
that you then go get a retread who literally has flamed out in both his lo- both his his um, mo- more pre- previous stops. I mean, the way he left the Nets, right, after basically losing a power struggle and then going to Milwaukee, and I mean, you know, the the Mirren Fader <laughs> book had some excerpts about Giannis's early career with Kid, you know, point Giannis and and a number of the things that that Kid kind of said and did i mean it's just it's a total tire fire and all of a sudden you know he does some career rehabilitation with the lakers and all of a sudden he's the head coach for the the dallas mavericks in in a position to really like i mean these are these are pretty high stakes seasons for the mavs like if i'm a mavs fan if i'm in mavs you know organization i'm petrified that if the next three years you don't make serious strides towards the championship that Doncic is not looking around going what are we doing here so you know that that to me again is continues to befuddle me and I think as a result I'm, I'm pretty concerned that that you know they they are not going to perform the way they are and honestly I actually toyed with making Jason Kidd my first coach fired I didn't but I very like seriously <laughs> considered it just simply because of his I think the leash will be short I mean I, I think if there's some stuff that boils up you know Especially when there was seemingly a, a, the second choice was sort of a, a kind of a Doncic sort of like, you know, handpicked guy. So, anyway, um, that that's where I found myself with uh, with the Mavericks. Yeah, those are all good points. I, uh, I I I think what happened with with um, with with the hire of Jason Kidd is it was a little bit of an intervention. I think the way the offseason worked out where. You know, Donnie Nelson departs, let go. Rick Carlisle leaves. Like, they had sort of had all the infrastructure they had had since very early on. I mean, Donnie Nelson was there when they got Nowitzki. I think even before even before Cuban owned the team, like, he'd been there forever. And um, he pushed for the Donches trade and, you know, he'd done a lot of stuff. And so he had a falling out. He left. Carlisle's left. It's sort of... You know, they've kind of got the whole band back together, and Nowitzki gets more involved, and like Finley's involved there now, and like they're kind of like he's one of their own in a way. It's sort of like you know Carolina finally, finally Hubert Davis taking over as the Carolina coach, or John Shire taking over as the Duke coach. Neither one makes any sense. Like you would never, like, like they've neither one has never been head coaches before. Like how would you get that job? Um, you know, and you don't go against the family. Hiring someone from the family, especially someone with either no head coaching record or bad, but especially if they have no head coaching experience and they're just hired because they're the heir apparent to a great coach and they, <laughs> and there's no process or evaluation and no other teams are considered and you just hand over a program um, on the up and coming and you send that to this guy and Jimmy Lake <laughs> screwed it all. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. This is the no, wait, was that Jason Kidd or Jimmy sorry, Lake? I can't Jimmy, remember. Gosh. Or Mark Helfrich. So <laughs> what it is with these guys though, you remember the scene in Godfather where James James Kahn, Sonny, is in the meeting with the Godfather and uh, the <laughs> the right. drug dealer guy and Sonny decides Solito. to speak up. Yeah. And he's and he asks a question. Wait, wait, uh, wait. What? What's the money situation here? And then the Godfather tells him, "Don't ever tell anyone outside the family what you're thinking again." <laughs> so Shashevsky, they're telling him, 
you don't don't speak outside of the family. So we don't know <laughs> what some of these guys are capable of. That's true. That's true. So I think Kid is like he's he's part of the family. He won the title with them. Like Michael's point, he's a great coach. Sorry, great player. And but he really did struggle with the Bucks. So I think it's like if 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 he can screw this up though, that's even like more impressive than like screwing up a team with the greatest player of the era on it. I mean, can you imagine how like frustrated he must have been? Like all he had to do was just kind of sort of be sentient. And like Giannis, not be himself. Giannis would have like taken care of the rest, and he would have like coached Giannis the rest of his career. He's never leave Milwaukee. Right. Milwaukee's a great town. Kid could have had a great time there. It could have been like what's the what's the movie? I've never seen the movie, but it's still alluded to at least in our generation. D like the weekend at Bernie's where they just oh, yeah. they just they take the dead guy and they just pretend he's alive the whole yeah. time. Like yeah. that coach could have done it. Like Budenholzer did his best to screw it all up, and he still like got. So he yeah. basically weakened Bernie's yeah, himself. Tell me who who has more regrets, uh, Mark Jackson in Golden State, or a kid in Milwaukee? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, like both former players that sort of had, like you know, like oh, I'm going to do things my way, and you know, didn't weren't willing to subsume. That's a really good point. I mean, I think definitely Jackson, because he has to call every game <laughs> they were winning. <laughs> like, he'd always go out of his way to say how great a coach Steve Kerr was. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it was always yeah, a little awkward. Right, right. And the yeah. fact that, like, they're all buddies and they never – I mean, it would have been great television for, like, Van Gundy to be, like, after the, the third title. How's it feeling, Mark, over there? I mean, like, <laughs> No, one time they did that, and he goes, I feel proud. And then you're like, yeah, but they probably <laughs> slashed Kerr's tires in the parking lot afterward. Well, it was crazy. Like, you know, like his last season, like he thought some of his staff members were like working behind his back. Oh, yeah, there was some paranoia. And all that drama. And this guy who actually was an ex-lawyer, he then went into coaching. I, I just remember reading about him because he went and was a volunteer coach for Bobby Hurley's dad. And – uh Wojnowski wrote a really, really good book about St. Anthony's. I hope Wojnowski writes another book sometime. He's actually a really good writer. Um, you know, now he just kind of like tacks back and forth with agents, it seems like, for his job. But um, it's a great narrative and a great book. And this guy, Darren Ehrman, then became, he worked his way up, and now he's like been a major assistant. But he was actually like taping, I think he was like taping things that Mark Jackson was saying because. I don't know if he was like reporting back to Lakeb and the ownership or if it was like he was protecting himself. I mean, whenever you have someone working for you, like taping conversations, this is Linda Tripp territory. Yeah, this is say, like it's never say, a good, wow. never a good sign. And just to be, some states are a two way state for consent, some are only a one way state. You're in a one way <laughs> state. Key. Watch yourself, man. Otherwise, you get the that's why the old Zoom now says you're being recorded. Because you need to give notice. You know how that works there, right? The old, <laughs> old online world. Um, so yeah, I, I just I, I just think Doncic is so good that kid can't screw up their offense. But if he does play like the trapping defense, I mean, it'd be like, don't ask Ben Thompson how, what he thinks of this this move and what Bucks fans think of this move. Um, but I just feel like Doncic and a bunch of role players. It's like, can you really screw that up that badly? We'll find out. I think see. I'm probably up to give my number three seed, right? Let's hear uh, it. Los Angeles Lakers. The old guys. Ooh. The old guys. Ooh. The other. The geriatric special in the three Team seed. that won the championship uh, two years ago, two seasons ago. Uh, so, LeBron, 
Davis, I know there's concerns that uh, how fragile Davis, LeBron getting older, Westbrook, spacing issues, him playing off the ball. I did see a play where like LeBron was doing pick and roll with Davis and then they had Westbrook coming around to screen. They passed him and he just fumbled the ball and it just did not look good. I know uh, a buddy of mine thinks this is the return to the showtime uh, Lakers, but I just he's no he's no James Worthy. Has he watched he's basketball since the he's no James Lakers? Worthy. So, um, but there but there's enough talent there where they can still uh, pile up the wins. And um, I don't know about the rest of the, the the roster. I don't think it's an upgrade from last season. So I um, we'll talk more about how far we think they can go, but. Uh, enough there to give him number three, but uh, otherwise I'm not uh, jumping on the Lakers bandwagon. You guys? Yeah, I had the Lakers in the four seed, and I think this is one of I've alluded a few times, kind of a, if not them, then who? The Lakers are one of those teams that I could see winning the West, being the two seeds, so kind of in that upper echelon, and also they just have the roster construction that suggests they're going to coast, and they're you know, there's a lot of discussion around whether LeBron will pace himself this year. If he plays 60 games instead of 75, right? If he, if he again, takes some nights off, uh, you know, I, I think that would be good for their chances in the playoffs. Um, it seems wise in terms of maintaining his health and, and, and longevity, but we'll see. It's not something he's wanted to do traditionally, uh, at least in the last six, seven years. So, you know, I think that that to me is all that matters here. I mean, the fact that LeBron and AD are healthy come the playoffs, and all of a sudden, then then this is a they're clearly going to be a title contender. Um, and so, you know, I think there's enough evidence with you know middle seed teams making the finals, especially teams that have been there before, um, that to me really suggests that they're going to really pace themselves. So that that's where I had the Lakers in the four slot. Yeah, I have them. I mean, similar reasoning. I have them a little lower. I have them in the sixth slot. Um, similarly to my concerns about Phoenix and dropping them a couple slots, is just, I mean, not even whatever the coasting or the, whatever the time management decision is, is just, again, LeBron's missed a chunk of the season two of the last three years. So um, I just think you have to assume he'll miss some time. Davis will miss some time. Um, and. Like they don't have enough without those guys, obviously, to do much. Um, they did. They did show a lot of heart last year when they were down. Those guys and the defense really held together. I don't know if they can do that again. I mean, if Vogel can do that again, where the defense is so strong, even without um, the top two guys, like that would be a feat. That would be like Thibodeau territory, um, maybe even more. But I'm, I'm skeptical. And I just think whenever you're counting on, they're like, oh, they have Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk. And that's like the upside potential. It's just, I don't know. I like those guys. I'm one of the guys saying that. But then I hear myself say that. And I'm like, I don't know if that's the best position to be in. Um, <laughs> I, I I do think, though, like we're all on the same page. That if, if LeBron and Davis are fully engaged and healthy, um, they're a talent contender. And if I think if LeBron's a top five player, like he is, I think, still when he's fully healthy. And Davis is like borderline top five, which he was two years ago, and at least top 10. I mean, there's just not, there's not anyone else that has that. I mean, 
it's just because again like the nets have that but they don't have the two-way part of it and davis especially when he's locked on and healthy and he's willing to play center they're just it's it's scary so i have them sixth but um you know i i definitely think they have a chance to make some do some major damage in the playoffs again all right so I think I'm next. I have the Warriors in the fifth seed, despite some of my misgivings with Clay Thompson's return timeline. He's eating burritos, man. He's ready to go. He's, he capital. looked great getting the, ordering that burrito. I think he's ready. I think uh, he could be back a couple months better than ever. So uh, don't sleep on Clay. Steve Kerr is another issue, but not Clay. Not, not, That's a different not my guy, Clay. But I, I just think until. You know, I, I think Steph, Clay, you know, Draymond, and, you know, that the, 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 the roster that they've now put around them, if any of the young guys have anything to contribute, this to me unequivocally is a playoff team. And, then, and, you know, I think being in the kind of middle of the mix, especially once Clay comes back, to me feels super reasonable. I mean, I think – um, if we're talking about age concerns and giving the Lakers the benefit of the doubt, I think you have to be able to give the Warriors the similar benefit of the doubt. I mean, these guys are several years younger. A lot of miles on them, obviously, but again, Curry's game more than anyone's is going to translate into age, I think, better than, again, any of these guys just because of how, how good of a shooter he is. And so um, I, I get really excited about the Warriors. I think there's probably a bit of a heart pick, too, just because it, they're so fun to watch. I think when they're rolling – um, I'm excited to see how they look fully formed, right? Because of the young guys, right? And then some of the older guys and just to see, right? What does Otto Porter have to give? What does it, what does Iggy have to give now? Um, probably not a lot, but at least, you know, th- they have some option optionality in terms of how the roster is going to play out, you know, on any given night. And, and as you get into the sort of dog days of the season. So, uh, I get excited about seeing the Warriors something resembling full strength, but I'm curious where you guys, where you guys have them. I did find it fascinating. I think 538's predictions had them, I think 11th in the Western Conference. So um, some of the more advanced analytic kind of projections are not as high on the Warriors. So, so does point. your guy Hollinger? Yeah, wow. great. <laughs> two, two for two. <laughs> The, the the Hollinger mainframe spit out uh, them in ninth. So yeah, <laughs> sorry. D where um, D, D where, where you the got it, man? Uh, number six, uh, right along, pretty close with you there. Uh, I think they're this is a, a team that can make a, a lot of noise. I like Pool in the backcourt with Curry. Um, I mean he's been lighted up preseason, so I took him toward the end of my fantasy draft. So I've got high hopes for him. Uh, but you know, Wiseman's probably, you know, he's made some progress, probably learned, uh, of the 165 defensive sets. I bet he's learned like at least 50 more, you know, going into this year. So it's like 52 yeah, in total. Yeah. But a little veteran in the mix. I mean, the, the, I don't know if I thought maybe they were going to do something different with the draft. Like, um, oh shoot. Yes. Who's, who's like the, a, a- Acquire Who's, some guys who could actually Kamin, like contribute. Yeah, this Kamin, year. Kamin, I thought they were going to make a trade. Maybe Kaminga. Sorry, what's his name? The first guy they picked. Kaminga. Kaminga. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. He's Moon. pretty raw, um, so I don't know why he, he's got some talent. Maybe he can contribute something. But bringing in some veterans to 
it's like they're trying to do let's get some they're trying to have maybe the best of both worlds like oh some young talent to develop but then yet we want to win right now so i don't know how that mix is going to work but uh i still really like this team and yeah if clay's back ooh, sky's the limit in the playoffs so it's a very intriguing team yeah, I have them four, so maybe even a little bit higher. Um, but for all the same reasons we're talking about, um, I don't think that was an aberration last year with Steph. Obviously, health is an issue for all these guys as they get older. But I think he's, I think he'll do the same thing he did last year again. Um, and I think if you add Clay back in with that, even him coming back and not being able to be the two-way Clay who could guard the best backcourt player and you know, score at a high level. I think it's just if they can ask less of him and Wiggins can kind of take on that duty on the defensive end to kind of, you know, not to the Clay's level, especially with, you know, lead guards, but at least kind of like help help do some of that. Um, they can find ways to let Clay ease, him, ease himself back in. It just that shooting is even more important now than it was a couple of years ago. And they really lacked that last year. So I, I think, I just think with that, it will... Um, that will really work for them. I, I do just don't understand the moves they made. We talked about it, I think, last week. It's just, again, where they stood stood the night before the draft, the Wiseman draft, was, again, I just would love to know, like, what was on the table at that point. Like, what could, like, what move or moves could they have made? And I just don't, obviously, it wasn't to their liking, but it's, I, I just, this kind of obsession with, continuing on and like being like the spurs and sort of the light years approach is just too smart <laughs> for their own good and um like i really like wiseman like i do like i i don't i know he's hurt he's not gonna be back right away so i'm just really hoping it's not another lost season for him um because you know it seems like zach Lowe's very plugged in with the warriors um considering he said in his one of his previews that they were like all in this year, which I don't think you can square that with their draft to D loves point. Like they drafted Kaminga who's like really high ceiling, but not necessarily a guy who's going to like come in and fill a role right now. So that is not jive with going for it. So um, he, if Zach Lowe's the best, but he seems to be carrying some water for, you know, Myers and Kerr and the, the Warriors. And so he's also very down on Wiseman. Like I think in his, you know, his off season analysis and podcast and everything, he's mentioned like 30 times that like the point differential when Wiseman was off the court and Draymond was playing center. Um, so I don't think Wiseman's going to probably play that much, um, which is a bummer because again, I just, I just don't understand why they didn't, um, simplify and play him a lot last year again just a really lost opportunity um and i think the guy could really add a lot of value this year if they're willing to work with him in that way but you know he might be a little bit of a germane situation where it's like um he's just so young and unrefined but so talented but it just doesn't fit the timing but he doesn't have rasheed wallace and brian grant in front of him so <laughs> i think that's where the, the analogy ends um but I have them four because I think Steph's amazing, and I think Draymond and Clay have another run in, in them. Um, but I would say I think the Wiseman issue is as much a Draymond issue as a Wiseman issue. I just I don't 
Like Draymond can't be effective with a center. Um, so again, it just doesn't make sense to me why you wouldn't just say, okay, we're going to play Draymond at center. We're going to give him time. We'll have some backups. We'll get some depth there. Um, and Where does Kevon Looney play then? <laughs> he's plus 20. He's a plus 20 uh, net rating per game. <laughs> so, yeah, I just don't. I don't get it, but I still pick them. So a lot of teams in the West who I don't get what they're doing, but I picked them very high. So I'm sure that will work out great for me in the predictions in the Cardi Cup. So <laughs> uh, I think that I think that's the last. I mean, that's that is the Western Conference, though, right? I mean, I think we've hit all top our top sixes. You know, in some varying degrees of order, we've 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 kind of created a top six. And I, to me, at least, there's a pretty clear delineation of like these are the six teams that if they won the conference wouldn't totally shocked me um and then there's the there's this next group yeah it's weird they they both uh, have six right i think like mm-hmm. both sides have six but then the east and we're going to get to it in a following pod i know in terms of our kind of championship and overall predictions but i don't know about you guys but the east is obviously like you kind of have two choices maybe a you know dark horse in there but like really two choices for the eastern conference yeah, it's like the hawks and the wizards exactly it's the hornets and the bulls um <laughs> but the west i don't know if, i mean it was, it was super hard for me like literally as we were starting the pod recording the pod or pods i was like i don't really know like that's this mix of six teams like it's kind of fun that that's the case, but it's definitely it's hard to find a story there to know like okay, this is the team. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm up for the next move outside the six. Um, Bring it. By the way, and the seven. By spot. the way, I mean, just like just take a second and just note the the omission, the sad omission. Did Derek have to turn in his card? It's very I don't sad. Know. Have the Peter Meyer brothers shut down to all of our many fans? Um, has Todd and Sherwood as he as he canceled <laughs> his um, his uh, Spotify subscription over the fact that the Blazers are not in our top six and they're not in my top seven either? I have the oh. Los Angeles Clippers in the seventh seed. Um, speaking of really weird five thirty eight. Uh, predictions they have the clippers as the second most likely team to win the title they have the bucks first the nets are like do they know about Kawhi leonard's injury (laughs) (laughs) i'm assuming it's 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 severely predicated on Kawhi coming back earlier than everyone expects is what i'm assuming yeah no i think so too but it's just still that's the that's the wild thing about the clippers in general crazy so I, I really try to talk myself, even assuming Kawhi is going to be out the whole year, I try to talk myself even putting them up higher. But I, I do think it's a lot It's a lot riding on Reggie Jackson, sort of I was continuing just gonna say. to be who he was. And it, it kind of, it kind of um, it concerns me that he'll be a little Tyler, Tyler Hero-ish this year, where it's like it's one thing when you're in a compressed timeline and like I just think for people to get their head around like oh wait Reggie Jackson's the second best offensive player second best player on the team we're playing and it's not you know 2014 is just really confusing to people and they couldn't really adjust in real time to that like I'm sure you know I'm sure like um the jazz were just like, what? We have to guard this guy. He's rain three pointers over us. And if we close out on him, he's going to go dunk on Gobert. Like who is this guy? 
So I they know, but they know now he can do stuff, and so I think that will make it harder. But you know that the way they were playing, I know you know they made a run, and Paul George got a lot of criticism, and I think in the end really performed well overall. So it, it's hard to see them replicate that, but they still have a lot of guys who can play, and they have a lot of uh, interchangeability among. They they have a lot of wings even without Kawhi, so. I, they definitely were the team I was like, I could see them creeping up into this next group um, even more than the Blazers, unfortunately. But um, where did you guys have the clips? The same. Seven. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, eight, no. Seven. Yeah. I almost wanted to, even right as we were doing this, I wanted to flip them and put the Blazers in front. But I just, sorry, revealed my eighth. But, yeah, I got, I got the oh. Clippers. Uh, I mean, a team that uh, – that even without quite was able to beat the Jazz and give at least the the Suns a run for their money for a little while. Uh, we saw that this combination of talent kind of work if Paul George can be Paul George. And Reggie Jackson was putting up stellar numbers, but he was doing it before the playoffs and then had a great run in the playoffs. So that's true. Uh, maybe it it's sustained. sustainable. Yeah. yeah. So and then the rest of the pieces. I mean, it's it's not the greatest talent pool, but it seems like it's. They got something going there. Good coaching overall, I think. Uh, so, yeah, it pains me to say it, but I have the Clippers ahead of uh, the Blazers, seven. Where do you have, Michael? Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm disappointed in you guys. I, uh, I, don't, I don't go hard on this. <laughs> I, I go ahead. Wow. I, I, I've got the Clippers, eight. Um, and the know, Timberwolves, think, seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's. The uh, Spurs, actually, you know, and Pop, I trust. No, I the Clippers in eight. I just think there's a lot of Reggie Jackson. I know we talked about it. You guys have all kind of hit on it. I, I just can't get over the fact that, you know, the, the second best player on a team is Reggie Jackson, and they're going to be much above the play-in tournament. I mean, I, I think Paul George is great. I think he obviously exercised some demons and has always been a well-regarded regular season player, right? Um, they have a lot of depth and, and, you know, the Batum sort of Zubach sort of front court flexibility they have. Marcus Morris, right? There's a variety of things they can kind of throw at you. And and if Kawhi does come back, which is uncertain at this point, but if he does, it obviously opens up a lot of different. Well, what if what if 538 them. knows that Kawhi is coming going to play opening night? <laughs> <laughs> They have a source with his uncle or whatever, you yeah, know. Right. R.C. Buford will be so confused. Jerry West has paid off other <laughs> sources to ensure his full return. <laughs> um, it's it's weird though, because like, you know, it sounds like Michael, you may have just to skip ahead to the Blazers. You may have them seven. I assume is that fair to say? I do. I have the Blazers seven, and I I think that to me felt like the right spot for them. If not even a little low, I just couldn't find a slot in the, where the top six felt like real title contenders. Like I think we're, you know, the Clippers, stands Kawhi, and the Blazers don't feel like they're real title title contenders to me. It, it is odd though. Like, I mean, I picked them eighth, and it is odd. Like just thinking back to, I guess it was less than a year ago because of the condensed season. But I think you know, you know, when they made the moves they made last off season, I think we all had them in the top three right last year. Um, and there, there's an argument they're not worse than last year, right? I mean, they have Powell. They traded for Nance. Like, it's just interesting. Like, I, I have them eighth. I don't believe in them, but it's just 
what do you think like what for you guys as you evaluated them obviously the whole Lillard situation it just feels like it could go south so quickly that um and obviously O'Shea does not engender any confidence so I, I get it like that's why I came out but it's just like why do you think we've all kind of fallen off of them so much like what's changed from a year ago besides seeing what the hell they performed last year I guess yeah, I know that's the biggest thing, but I mean, we have Powell. It's good that we sent Powell, but he's also a small, small yeah. forward. He's a six-five. CJ, we have a who's six-three is a shooting. He has guard. an eight-foot wing. Like that, that tw- trio. He has a twelve-foot wingspan, though. Powell, that's what I've heard. Is it fourteen? He's a fourteen-foot <laughs> wingspan. He's incredible. Yeah, you're right. It's and, and CJ's got a great caps off. <laughs> so we we haven't addressed our defensive issues. I mean, if we can have. Uh, Nurkic for a whole season to defend the basket that's something there but Covington I think was a big disappointment last year we thought he yeah, could be a better I think on the right. ball defender he's decent off the ball but that's not really what we need and now we have him I guess either start starting now um, Nance has really not looked very good it's only preseason <laughs> so you don't want to over oh, man. <laughs> you know and like we were really hope we're needing something from him um it's also Derek, not is this uh, a reverse jinx. Are you trying to reverse jinx the season right yes, now? Yes, exactly, hundred percent. Okay, but it's not good when Billups comes out and says, "Yeah, you know, there's some times where I think we're doing okay, and then I realize, oh, we're not as far along as I thought we were going to be." Like, that's not a helpful. That's not a good assessment from your head coach. And Scott Brooks is our assistant. I mean, what more? <laughs> Number one assistant. <laughs> what more do you want me to say? I mean, I've, I'll be pulling for him a hundred percent. The Hawk but... situation where Brooks is lying in wait. He's lying in wait to take. Bill's job, right? Bill realizes you know, he liked but... the uh, the cushiness of like an ESPN studio. He wanted to go back to first take or get up or whatever the show he used to be on. Scott Instead, Scott Birch uh... is the John Donovan of NBA assistant <laughs> coaching. Oh hires. man! <laughs> baseball reference. Sorry, it's football season, guys. Still, um, yeah, I, I I agree. I think I think if Nurkic is healthy, I mean that's really big like if he's healthy and engaged like he seems pissed he seemed like he was pissed off in the season about his contract you know just getting the option year um like the the non-guaranteed year picked up and then not getting a longer contract um but if that provides motivation for him and then the you know starting lineup stays healthy i think that's the best case to get to the top four um but it does seem like it's just sort of on a weak foundation and yeah, it's not good that Nance is not showing much so far. I just, I wanted to be like with Dave Deckard from Blazers edge when that trade was announced. Cause I feel like that's like the trade of trades that he just hates more yeah. than any, like that's his, that's his like argument about the Blazers that they've just kind of made like Larry Nance jr. Trades yeah. for the last five years. And they've never kind of been like, I mean, I think just weren't willing to give up CJ, really. Um, but, you know, CJ's buying, the, he's, he's got the land, he's building the vineyard. He's like, he's just saying, don't make me drink Merlot. I'm not going to drink Merlot. <laughs> um, so, love CJ. I hope they do well. I'm rooting for him, but I still have him in eight. Um, so, who who's up next? To, is that... I think I just jumped a well, turn. I think we hit our top yeah. eight. So, so Derek, who, who's our, who's your next plan? Uh, Memphis. And this ding, was ding, this ding, was a ding. pretty easy. 
pick for me. Uh, I, feel like gonna be, I feel like they're going to be in the plane for the next like ten years. Yeah. basically. it's just going to be. If uh, I mean, if Jaron Jackson can if be Jaren healthy and healthy and not and learn how to not foul. If uh, when I had him on my fantasy team a couple years ago, he would. Ooh, he was almost as bad as a. Uh, as Time Lord Robert Williams, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Greg Oden. Oh, that too. Yeah, <laughs> that's the trio right there. That was that. Uh, that there was like a couple things about those two guys, Oden and Durant. It was like when Durant couldn't bench press like 180 pounds, and it was like, oh, that seems like a problem, but does it really matter in basketball? But then it was when Oden would foul. Like they like changed the foul out rules. So you had to. Do like ten fouls and stuff really to foul out, and he'd be fouling out in minutes. So that bad. sort of that sort of contradicts the whole. If he hadn't got a hurt, right? A dominant no, center, it's like, when he was playing, <laughs> he was not impressive. He really was frustrating to watch. Um, I mean, he did want to be a dentist. I don't think Kevin Durant ever wanted to be a dentist. <laughs> I will say he dominated Al Horford, and Al Horford's still getting paid by the Celtics. So <laughs> he dominated Al Horford and Noah. I mean, I, I think Marcus Spates was on that team. I mean, he just like took a vine the woodshed, man. I mean, I was buying it. I mean, where did you guys really end up? We, I think the predictions and Cardi Cup had just started a little before then. Were you guys Odin or Durant? I can't remember. I feel like I cut it both ways. I was like, I get Odin, I'd probably take Durant, but like, I kind of hedged. I, I didn't fully come out in Durant, so I would have made the probably the same bad move. But where did you get? Where were you guys at with that? This is, I was Odin. Yeah, I was one hundred percent Odin. I think I've left. I, I think I've left the big man game all all ever since. I was like, I was so scarred. I was like, actually, yeah. let's go pick the pick the perimeter scorer. Every this time. is a terrible conversation. Why are we discussing? This? <laughs> <laughs> I just. I think I remember watching that Florida Ohio Me too. State game yep. and just going, "Oh my!" Yeah, that goodness. was the fool's gold. This guy is just a, is a, a man amongst, and you knew that like Noah and Horford were supposed to be really good too, right? So you're just he was beasting people. I mean, just time and time again, and he, you know, he was like slamming the backboard every time he would have. No, that's crazy. You just. You just and you knew he like I think he had a broken wrist at that point too, and he was still killing. And he people. was hitting I mean, jump just... hooks too. It wasn't just like dunks and follow up. It wasn't just like lobs. He was like taking them in the post and like doing drop steps and dunking. <laughs> like it was like yeah, it's like don't let one game color your interpretation. I guess. I mean, speaking of one game, I mean John Morant had an amazing. Uh, I think that was the play in kind of around pushing into the playoffs, getting into the into the tournament. Um, I mean, do you guys see him growing? I mean, that seems like that's their hope to get out of the plane is if Jaron Jackson, like you said, D stays healthy, stops fouling, grows as a player. They just gave him a big extension. Seemed like a very reasonable amount of money in terms of you know betting on his upside. But with Morant, like, can he make a jump um, either through shooting the ball more efficiently, just making different decisions, like maybe – being even a be- being a better defender, like do you guys where where do you stand on John ja Morant and his stock going forward? Yeah, I think there's an upside there. I think he maybe had a little bit of a sophomore slump, like he just wasn't quite he didn't take the next leap that we thought he would. But I still think he can. I think he's a incredibly talented player. I just think he needs a little more polish, which you can see that in, in year t- you know three or four. That guy's can uh you know their games can evolve a little bit so um that's uh i think he's got a bright future i think he'll be fine yeah and i share that i'm i'm pretty high on morant i and i think it's largely to do 
with just how much he seems to care. I mean, he he whether it's the playing game or, or the playoffs or you know much of the regular season. I mean, he just that guy brings it every night. It looks like, and you know, my even though even though I you know sometimes it was misguided. I mean, the fact that he was trying to pack on Gobert that entire series was just I think hilarious to me. I mean, it's just so it's so good to like be able to bring that type of edge to an up and coming team. I think, you know, it's a little Mitchellish to me. So the real, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see this year three for him to see if he comes into this season, kind of having demonstrable progress in terms of his skill set, Right. I mean, that's the, that's the change these guys make is they kind of have these incremental jumps, you know, each off season or every couple off seasons. And, And if he can, become an off the bounce shooter um, and not even at the level that some of the leak guys are, but at least making it clearly a weapon. Right. I mean, that's, that's the way to neutralize him is just to continue to go underneath on his, on his ball, his high ball screens and, and giving him that opportunity to, to start to shoot the rock a bit more and a bit more effectively. I mean, we'll obviously put them over the hump. So, and, and I'm, I'm bullish on that. I mean, I just think again, because he cares so much, it seems like he'll be investing in his game in that way. Yeah, I agree. I think he he seems he seems to have the energy and drive. And we also have to remember, like the last off season was the, I think the shortest ever, right? Due to the delay of the previous season and the you know even though it was a late start, it was still very packed off season. So I, I don't think guys had as much of a chance to kind of re, um, sort of refocus, step back, kind of work on parts of their game. It was just sort of one kind of one long season in a way. And they, even though this off season wasn't as long as normal, it was still much longer. Um, so I, th- I think that will, will help. Um, and I think even to go back to Doncic from earlier, it's like he, they not only had COVID issues last year, significantly, especially early in the season, he came in sort of out of shape. I mean, I haven't been watching, I haven't seen their preseason games, but I, you know, if he's just like kind of fully engaged to start coming off the Olympics, um, yeah, that would make a big difference. And and I think even in today's this isn't a tangent, but even in today's game where like where where um you know young in Atlanta, like Lillard, all these Curry, all these smaller guys can do so much. It's still like if you're a big guy who can like handle and shoot and you can do all the same things like a smaller player can be, but you're big. Like that was Bird's like that was what was special about him is like I mean, to do what he could do at 6'9 and strong was like, and I think Doncic is like that. Like, he's so strong. And, like, I think that's one of the things people say is when you get up next to him, you don't realize how big he is and how tall he is. Um, so, I, yeah, I just think it'll be interesting to see, like, which of these guys do make that jump. Maybe we'll see more jumps in year three than we typically did because they had a little bit more time to work on their game. Um, but, yeah, I had Memphis in number nine, too. I guess that's where you had him. Michael, did you have them in nine or did you have him in ten? Yeah, I had them in nine too. So I'm I'm just curious. Does it, we've been we've been pretty chalky this much of the Western Conference? I mean, with obviously some seating changes. Who who do you guys have in ten? Spurs well, for I, oh sorry. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, Spurs, Spurs yeah. for, for lack of yeah. a, lack of a better alternative. Wow, wow. It's like you just you're just carrying water for SVG. I was just days, looking huh? through. <laughs> I was just looking through it. I'm like, boy, I don't like any of these teams. And I really don't like any of these teams. I I guess they have a good system over the years and a good coach. So Spurs. (laughs) 
I do think one of the great parts, the play-in is a great is a great thing. I loved it last year. I'm super happy. It's like you have the six who are like the legit. Like it's funny, right? Both were like these are the six teams that can win the win the conference in each conference, and then these are the play-in teams. But I, the one downside is it was a lot easier to do predictions when it was just eight teams because once you get down to like the breakdown between nine, ten, eleven, twelve, it gets a lot more confusing. I, I was. You know, I think that the the choice I strongly considered was the Pelicans, but I um, I kind of want to hate watch the Pelicans because I'm so like disgusted by like the choices they've made, <laughs> what they've done, and I think the fact that uh, Zion's already hurt or he's going to miss part of the beginning of the season. So I took a flyer on the Timberwolves. Um, it's definitely a flyer. Um, it's it's. <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns and Edwards. I think Edwards takes a jump. I think Cat, um, you know, takes a step and puts together a season where he's like, you know, third team All NBA, maybe even second. And you know, I think Chris Finch is the type of coach to get them going on the offensive end in the midst of all the chaos in the franchise. Um, so I slipped them at number ten over over. Whoa, over the hold Pelicans. on! You said Cat, Cat could be second team All NBA. So ahead of go. Is it over Embiid or over Jokic? Well, you know, the, the, the rules are a little bit fudgy in terms of who plays center and four, but I should say third. I, I was, if he's a okay. center, he'd be third, but over, I guess, Gobert. Okay. All right, um, all right, all right. But I'm saying in that top, like where he's like, if it wasn't for having the top two guys, the MVP last year in his position, he'd be like a top 10 player. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I think if he does that and Edwards continues to grow, I think kind of, whatever they get from the role players and from Russell, like becomes less important if those guys are, are that good. Um, but I want, I mean, I want Zion to be in this playing group, but I just, I don't know. I don't know if I see it, but is that who you have Michael? Yeah, I have the Pelicans. I, I just think they're so committed to rushing the process for, for Zion that they're so committed to trying to win by doing things that will not help them win. <laughs> I know, right? It's so misguided, but I just I think they they're not gonna. It's a win now move. Gonna We're gonna settle. trade for Stephen Adams. Oh man, that didn't work. <laughs> Let's try some other win now move. <laughs> exactly. They definitely have the now part down, but yeah, I, I, um, I mean, is Zion gonna? I guess what's the situation right now? I can't really tell. Like, is he? He has an injury. It's a little opaque. What's going on? He broke his foot, which was not reported until like two weeks ago. Oh, okay. Right? Is is what I had okay. seen. Okay, and. And it's like a question mark when he's actually going to come back. And, it, and it's been for a while, apparently. So it's, it's, he's fairly close to returning, but you know, it's just, it's such a bummer because he was so electric in that first gentry year. Right. And then they basically change, you know, they come into the bubble, they go Oh and eight or whatever and fall apart. And then, you know, D's guy SVG, you know, just absolutely lights the place on fire. And now they're back at the drawing board again. I mean, it's just it's just an interesting dynamic in that franchise right now. I do I think they're the the, the next best option for a substantial panic trade, right? What you know, what does Brandon Ingram fetch potentially in the open market? Um, not much. Uh, as a collect, as, not as, much. As, as, not much. I think you're right, but you know, it's an interesting. I think an interesting question. Um, but I just think again, there's they've they're so committed to making a relevant push with Zion that to me it'd be just such a disaster if they don't 
they don't get the 10th slot that um that that's where i i landed them but i think the wolves the spurs i think the kings are even have an argument to make make a push into that space so um it, it'll be a fun certainly a fun uh it's a fun layer right like you said that that adds to the to the dynamic to 10 and 8 and 6 you know all these different slices of of uh of the pie to, to really aspire for yeah the play-in's got a goose league pass if you if you're into the play-in you're if you're still with us on this uh the end of the second pod uh the predictions and the cardi cap then definitely uh try out league pass and you know see how bad brandon ingram actually is <laughs> So I think that's it, guys. We've we've gotten through both conferences. We're going to save our sort of final predictions pod uh, for a later date, kind of bring it all together. Um, so excited for the league to start, the season to start. Um, can't wait. Glad go, you're go, Blazers. go Blazers. Go Blazers. Go Blazers. Go Sonics. <laughs> I think we knocked D-Lo out. <laughs> too much. I can't believe you had him in eighth. I mean – other than the Wizards still being Michael's Hill to die on, the fact that it wasn't just seventh, you had them in eighth as well. I'd love to be wrong. It's a sad, sad day. Love to be wrong. Are faithful. Somewhere Bill Walton is crying. Uh, I went all, all head, no heart. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us at the 3 and D Love NBA Podcast. We'll be back next time. But until then, remember, throw it down, big man. This isn't just a great podcast, it's a triumph of the human spirit.